I had an epiphany in church on Sunday, and Ahsoka was part of it. Now, before you call me a heretic, there's a perfectly logical explanation. The last few weeks have been challenging for me. I'd been going through some personal stuff, as we all do from time to time. I was struggling a bit mentally, as we all do from time to time. And I just didn't feel like myself, and it was really frustrating. I had felt overwhelmed at times and lost at others. I tried to get a handle on some of the larger and smaller aspects of life, many of which are beyond our control, and was exasperated by some of the outcomes. It was like wading into the ocean and becoming flustered by an inability to rein in the waves. I also welcomed what had become an annual visitor for me over the past few years, a total writer's block when it comes to the podcast. With experience, I've learned how to navigate this occurrence to the best of my ability. It's not so much a writer's block, but more like the entire creative facility shuts down and goes on vacation for a bit. And when this happens, it's my job to corral the sheep and to bring them back to the pen. This time, though, it didn't work. But instead of having all of my thoughts sucked out into a vacuum and stagnating, it felt as if my brain cells were away, attending a conference together. In the previous episode, I highlighted a brief history of the seismic events that led to eras in Star Wars and collecting, and how we got to this point. And in an upcoming episode, I'll address where I think the franchise, as well as the fan base and the collecting community, are heading. But I think this block wasn't so much a block as a need to step away for a bit and to evaluate the larger picture. And I needed to spend less time publishing and more time pondering. Running parallel to this mental sabbatical was the premiere of the Ahsoka series on Disney+. When Disney first announced that Dave Filoni, the man responsible for creating Ahsoka, would helm a show that would at once focus on the beloved character while serving as the next chapter in the Rebels' story, I was immensely excited. I discovered Clone Wars in 2016, gobbling season after season of it when it was still running on Netflix. The character of Ahsoka caught me quickly in a way that Luke Skywalker did decades earlier. I love the Clone Wars series, and love the arc that George Lucas, Dave Filoni, and the rest of the creative team devised for the young Padawan. It was a brilliant stroke, and it presented fans with a new perspective of the prequels, through the eyes of an entirely new character. Ahsoka was a heroine with heart, strong and courageous, and yet with so much to learn from her master Anakin Skywalker and the rest of the Jedi as well as from her brother-in-arms, the Republic's clone troopers. The Lucasfilm group presented us with a character that was fully realized and had tremendous depth, and we had the fortune of traveling through the Clone Wars with her. The show spoke to me and brought back the excitement I'd experienced as a child with the original trilogy. I began to collect Ahsoka and Clone Wars prototypes and production pieces as a way to explore a different and unfamiliar aspect of Star Wars memorabilia, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. The prototypes served as tangible souvenirs, really unique souvenirs, of my intangible experiences with the show and its characters. 
It was at a time when only a handful of collectors cared about Clone Wars pre-production pieces. And even fewer cared about Ahsoka hard copies, first shots, and whatever else had surfaced since the animated show's premiere. In my personal collecting journey, this was one of the most enjoyable and exciting eras. And after finishing The Clone Wars, I continued Ahsoka's story in the four-season animated series Star Wars Rebels. Seeing her working with the Ghost Crew, reuniting with her friend Captain Rex, taking on Maul, traveling to the world between worlds, and coming face-to-face with her former Jedi Master established Ahsoka as one of the most interesting and special Star Wars heroes in the galaxy. And 2020 brought us the Clone Wars' seventh and final season, coupled with Ahsoka's live-action introduction at the end of the year in the global streaming phenomenon, The Mandalorian. For more than a decade, fans of Ahsoka and of the animated shows that shared her story were given more epic moments on the small screen. And with her appearance in The Mandalorian, her popularity rose, and she was quickly becoming a household name. So when Disney announced Ahsoka would star in a series of her own, there was a buzz in the fandom. Through Filoni, we'd see the next chapter in Ahsoka's life. My excitement slowly faded last year, though. I personally felt Disney stumbled in its presentation of both Obi-Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett in their respective series, and I was concerned a similar fate was awaiting Ahsoka as she transitioned to the live-action realm this year. I struggled to share my thoughts about the weekly episodes since the show premiered. I didn't want to make snap decisions about it without viewing the season as a whole. Essentially, we've been reading a chapter a week without having the entirety of the book in our hands. And like any good book, there are things that haven't been revealed to us yet, and we're just hoping the second half of the story brings us to a satisfying conclusion, and that the author sticks the landing. And up to this point, the series has had some missteps and some moments of brilliance. So to recap... Over the past few weeks, I was dealing with some real-life stuff, while not feeling 100%. At the same time, I was pondering the future of Star Wars and of collecting, and was anxiously traversing the weekly Ahsoka episode drops, along with the praise and fallout of each one. Which brings me back to church this past Sunday. The pastor was preaching on the 23rd Psalm. It's one of the more famous passages of Scripture, and it includes the oft-quoted line, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's that one. Oh, and spoiler alerts ahead. Not about Psalms. It's been around for thousands of years. If you haven't read it by now, I don't know what to tell you. No, I mean spoiler alerts for the first five episodes of Ahsoka. I don't ever like to spoil a good story, but we're more than a week out from the momentous fifth episode. If you haven't watched it yet, go do so. I promise I'll be here when you get back. Still here? Great. Okay, so the pastor was discussing the 23rd Psalm. It read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Toward the end of the sermon, a scene from Ahsoka, episode 5, popped into my head. I saw Ahsoka standing on top of her starship, hand outstretched, facing the largest space whale she's ever seen. After speaking to it, you know what, Filoni didn't give it a name. Let's call it Larry. After speaking to Larry, Ahsoka returns to the cockpit of her ship. Her companion, the droid Huang, asks her, You're certain they know where Sabine was taken? I have no idea. We'll just see where it goes. And the episode ends with an Ahsoka no longer burdened by her past. No longer weighed down by trying to make the right decisions. She lets go of what has held her back, and she puts her faith in the Force and lets it lead her wherever it plans to do so. One of the themes of the 23rd Psalm is the reminder that the Lord is our caring shepherd and He guides us and protects us through life. He leads us beside still waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us in paths of righteousness, comforting us along our journey. Now, you might not believe what I believe, and that's okay. I'm just sharing what gave me a strong sense of spiritual peace and comfort on that Sunday morning, and what led me to envision that sequence from Ahsoka in that moment. Sitting in the darkened section of the sanctuary, I realized that I had been too busy holding too much around me too tightly, and not relying on a larger force to guide me through the challenges I faced. And this goes for the Ahsoka series, for the future of Star Wars, for the collecting community, and for the fandom too. And to a degree, I was missing the joy of being a Star Wars fan, because I didn't know where any of it was going. And I realized it's time to sit in my starship with Huang the droid in the mouth of a space whale named Larry, and to let it do the navigating for a bit. And hey, it looks like my brain cells have returned from their conference. I'm curious to hear what they've learned, and where we're headed. Now that the hyperdrive is online again, I wanted to highlight a moment that happened in the world of Star Wars last week. Lucasfilm brought the franchise back to a handful of theaters for one night only, for a group viewing of the fifth episode of Ahsoka. Our friend and fellow Ahsoka-holic Chris Letty attended one of these viewings. And I was so curious to hear about his experience and what it was like to see Ahsoka and Anakin again on the silver screen. This is a look at Star Wars' brief return to theaters halfway through the Ahsoka series. This is a conversation with Chris Letty about an evening at the movies with hundreds of our fellow Ahsoka diehard fans. This is the magic of the world between worlds, the continuing lessons of the Jedi Masters, and the search across the galaxy for two very important characters. This is the Clone Wars! Yeah, no kidding! And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Coruscant to Tatooine, 
planet in between, Star Wars, Prototypes, and Production, with your host, David Quinn. It's a trap! Yes, monster. On Tuesday, September 12th, Lucasfilm screened the fifth episode of Dave Filoni's Ahsoka series at theaters in ten cities across the country. The viewings took place in Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, New York, Orlando, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, and in Washington, D.C. International cities like Bangkok and London also held screenings. Tickets were difficult to acquire as the demand far outweighed the availability. And with good reason. The week before the event, viewers retreated to Episode 4's closing shot of what appeared to be Anakin reuniting with his former Padawan. The theater showings were billed by Lucasfilm as a mid-season event, and fans anticipated that the story and the moment would be something Disney deemed worthy of appearing on the big screen. As I mentioned earlier, Chris Letty was one of the fortunate few to score a ticket to the Boston show. Chris is a longtime Star Wars fan from the New England region who loves the character of Ahsoka. If you've listened to any of the Ahsokaholics Roundtable episodes of the podcast, you'll know Chris as a kind soul who also collects Ahsoka prototypes and pre-production items. He has two young daughters and has introduced Star Wars to them through characters like Ahsoka. And for a Star Wars fan, that is certainly one of life's rich joys. As a fan, Chris also gives back to the collecting community in various ways. He is part of a trio on YouTube called Six Scale Scavengers. The channel is devoted to the world of larger scale figures from companies like Hot Toys, and covers many different properties, including Star Wars. And Chris also does a monthly podcast with Fanthatrack's Richard Hutchinson called Collecting Tracks. The duo examines a wide array of Star Wars memorabilia, especially some of the rarer and more overlooked areas of collecting. And you can find pics of Chris's Ahsoka collection and of his various interests on Instagram at Letty's Collectibles. Okay, so I'm excited to hear all about Chris's evening at the movies, and what the experience was like for him as Ahsoka made her first big screen appearance since her introduction in the 2008 Clone Wars film. I'll go get Chris, and in the meantime, grab a soda and some popcorn, pick a row of comfortable seats with the best view, and let's get ready for a -a once-in-a-lifetime Ahsoka conversation. Chris, I'm so excited that we're doing this. I I know we have so much to talk about. And before we go into talking about the theater experience that you had last week, um, I I wanted to know, what is one thing that you liked about the Clone Wars series? Because you're you're a fellow Clone Wars Ahsoka Rebels fan. Mm -hmm. So what was something about the Clone Wars series that that really resonated with you? I mean, it's it's kind of 
obvious. It's it's really it was really just seeing Ahsoka growing up and and going through all those different experiences and trying to apply those experiences you know obviously not not the same type of stuff in real life but uh similar types of growth um you know growing points within my life and and that sort of thing and i i just really enjoyed that part of it and really you know secondary to that kind of seeing anakin's story and and seeing that progression you know, from Attack of the Clones all the way up through what happens in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, it's kind of, I think it's just really um, seeing the growth of those two characters uh, in various ways. Uh, that's, you know, really the the biggest thing for me. I felt the same way. And I think, you know, for me growing up, I loved Luke Skywalker. And I felt like as a child, I remember learning lessons through his experiences, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you're you're sort of echoing that with what happened with Ahsoka in the Clone Wars and and Anakin too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, having so much content to go through, we just got you know that much more story, um, you know, for those characters and those that many, uh, you know, so many more opportunities to see them in various situations with, you know, Luke, there was just a limited amount of time we had with him. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that we got to see the clone wars animated series, uh, play out the way it did. Was there a moment from Ahsoka's arc during those seven seasons, uh, that stood out to you? It doesn't have to be like the the top moment, but just yeah. a a particular moment, kind of a smaller one, larger one, whatever. The biggest one for me, uh, it's got to be when she tells the Jedi Council that she can't, she's not going to come back, and you know, making that really really tough decision, you know, turning turning away from this life that she's only know the only life she's ever known and realizing that she needs to go on her own path. She doesn't need to go through these trials and stuff that they had set in front of her. You know, she, she just had to do her own thing. And, and I think that's a big lesson for, anyone in life is like to, to have the strength and the conviction within yourself to say, that's not the path that I want to go on. I, I want to go through life, you know, making my own decisions and not having to do what other people think I'm supposed to do. It's funny. That's such a, a huge moment in the story. Everyone from Ashley Eckstein, Matt Lanter to Dave Filoni and the, and the writers and, and the animators got it completely right. Kevin Kiner completely nailed the song that mm-hmm. is that is playing at that point. It's just utterly heartbreaking. Um, but I think they would all be really happy with your answer because I, I think that's no, you know, when you really think about it, like that's um, if that's a lesson that you can pull from it and others can pull from it. Uh, 
Clone Wars resonates in such a way that is so powerful. It's crazy to think about how Clone Wars, the animated series, provided us with these deep, um, you know, emotional um, strength building, like all these different elements um, that, you know, we can apply to our own lives. And I think, you know, whether it was fully intentional or whether it's just happenstance, the way the stories worked out. I mean, I, I just find it pretty amazing that, you know, we can, we can still go back and look at the way Clone Wars, um, you know, really presented those uh, types of real life experiences. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. And I think in some ways, Rebels was just as effective, um, where, you know, we had a shorter amount of time with the Rebels crew, but it was still really impactful and powerful. Um, what's one thing about the Rebels series that connected with you? Hmm. I, I mean, I absolutely love Rebels. It resonated with me uh, quite a bit, almost as much as it did with Clone Wars. I mean, the biggest thing for me is just this idea of the found family and how each, you know, part of this family brought their own strength to the table and how by them coming together and staying together and having faith in one another um, really helped, you know, spark the beginning of the rebellion and, you know, by them doing every the hard things that they had to do, you know, it, I think it's just, you know, that it, just those all those ideas about staying together and believing in each other, and I don't know. That's I I, I just really love that element of rebels. And I think the the idea of found family is so important. I'm glad you you touched upon that because that really is what makes. Rebels so powerful. Um, I'd wanted to ask you about both series because they really are the vehicles in which we met and followed Ahsoka. Um, and so I know uh, Ahsoka was presented differently in Rebels than she was in Clone Wars, and with good reason. She had she had aged, so she was calmer and um, wiser. Uh, was there something that? that stuck out to you about how Filoni and company presented her in Rebels? I mean, I think that's a great, great point. She had been through a lot. We didn't know what she had been through at that time. Um, but I think, you know, she brought that element of, um, it's hard to say, like when she arrived, it was like, this, you know, we just leveled up, you know, we just, we got Ahsoka on our team now, you know, she's been through it. She knows how to handle these situations on a totally different level, you know, especially against like inquisitors, like people that were, you know, much more powerful. And she just, I think she gave the team like, um, uh, she gave the, the team confidence and kind of showed them how to level up their, 
you know, quote unquote game, how to uh, approach these situations um, and not, not be afraid um, and, and just really gave them that confidence that, that everyone in the team needed. Um, and I mean, they, it, it's clear that her presence with, with them really helped in the various situations that they ended up getting into. Yeah, she essentially aligns the early rebellion um, mm-hmm. and and is the acting Jedi there in a way. I mean, even though she's technically not a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, yeah, so as I said, I wanted to touch upon that a little bit just because um, you and I have, have spent so many hours talking about our love for the character of Ahsoka, for Clone Wars, and for Rebels. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's good backstory to get to what you had experienced last weekend, which very few people had the chance to do. And, um, and it's something that, you know, I, I, w- I would think as a Star Wars fan would be really memorable. Um, so you were able to go see the fifth episode of the live action Ahsoka show in theaters. Um, when you had first heard about it, when it was first announced, um, what was your impression that this would be happening in your area, and it was at least a possibility for you to to see this in theaters. I mean, honestly, I didn't really, I didn't really know that it was happening, per se. Like, I didn't see any announcements or anything like that. What happened was, our friend uh, Tom Quinn had gotten an email from Lucasfilm saying that there was this, uh, there was going to be various AMC theaters around the country that we're going to show Ahsoka in, you know, on the big screen. And so he, he sent that to FJ D Robertus, our, our friend, fellow Ahsoka-holic. And then he shared it in our, in our little chat. And so when I looked on the email and I saw that Boston area was a possibility, I was like, all right, what's, what's this all about? And, um, so anyway, I was just like, all right, I've got to at least throw my hat in the ring to see if I can get this thing. Um, so I, I mean, it was as simple as filling out a Google, a Google form. And I just selected, uh, you know, Boston and cause I, I live in New Hampshire. I was like, it's only an hour away and didn't really think too much of it. And I don't know how many days later, might've been a week later. So I get an email and it says, you've been selected as a VIP member, uh, or you, you, you get a VIP ticket to the showing, uh, episode five of Ahsoka in, um, at the AMC theater in Somerville, mass, which is just technically, I mean, it's within Boston, but it's just outside the, the center of the city. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I, figured out and how I, you know, got the ticket. So they did it as a lottery system. Yes, they did. Uh, no, I had no idea how many people entered. I didn't really fully understand what, you know, what was, uh, encompassed in the, in the whole giveaway or, or right. You were raffle. just filling it out, sending it in and crossing your fingers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't know, like how many seats were going to be available. Nothing. I, it was kind of like just winging it. 
How did you feel when you found out you were going? I was, I was really excited. I, it's good to hear. Okay. Yeah. I was, um, I was really excited and I was also worried because my, my job, I have to drive all over the place, all over new England. And I was doing everything I could to make sure that I was going to be available for the time slot. And wouldn't you know it, I had to drive all the way to Western Mass um, earlier in the day and uh, feverishly get home in time to get ready to go down to Boston. And uh, yeah, nerve wracking to say the least. So how, well, because they had announced um, within the description of, I guess once you had gotten your tickets mm-hmm. or before you had gotten your tickets that you had to be there at a certain time. Yes. It was like 15 minutes or a half hour early. And they said that if you weren't there, that your ticket would go to somebody mm-hmm. waiting on standby. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, and they said, try to be there, like really try to be there 45 minutes, at least 45 minutes before the showing. So that meant, um, I had to, I had to get, drive all the way across Massachusetts back, (laughs) back to my house in New Hampshire. Then like I had like 20 minutes to get ready and then drive all the way down to Boston to try to get there with at least I was, I was planning like an hour. And then I look at the navigation once I start driving and it was like an hour and 10 minutes away. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is going to be tight. How close did you cut it? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I got, I mean, I, I drove down and uh, I missed the turn to go into the parking garage. So then I had to drive all the way around the um, it's this massive complex in Somerville. It's like a big shopping like center experience, like all this stuff. And I had never I had never been there before. And uh, yeah, sure enough, I drove past the uh the parking garage and had to loop all the way around and i'm like oh my god are you kidding me then somebody it's always was, a great feeling oh yeah yeah and then somebody's like trying to get into the parking garage and they didn't know how to put the credit card in and I'm just like get a move on <laughs> <laughs> and um but anyway and when i pulled into the parking garage i actually saw people like dressed up and there was a, a woman um carrying it like a life-size loth cat. And I was like, huh. I'm like, all right. So people are actually doing something about this. Then I see like other people with like Ahsoka shirts and stuff walking to the, uh, the stairs to get down to the, uh, the ground level and then walk over to the theater. And so, yeah, I mean, I was just, um, it was just a, weird experience, you know, finding out that I had gotten this, um, opportunity. I, of course, as soon as I got the email, I ran up to my wife's office and was like, you wouldn't believe what I just won. And she was like, <laughs> that's nice, honey. <laughs> so, um, but you know, anyway, it was just, you know, it was cool. It, it, being, you know, Ahsoka is my, my favorite character. And, and then, getting an opportunity like this, I, you know, not really something that normally happens, you know, to somebody, you know, a fan in New Hampshire, like, 
getting an opportunity. Usually these things happen in Anaheim or Orlando or, you mm-hmm. know, New York New city York. or yeah. yeah. So how did you feel about going by yourself? Was it something that, you know, were you, were you really excited where it wasn't something that you even thought of? Or was there a point where you were like, I guess I'm going by myself and I'm just <laughs> going to go with it. Yeah. Cause there was only one ticket, one VIP ticket. And yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind going to the theaters by myself a lot of time. Uh, the movies that I like to watch, I end up having to go by myself. Um, so that wasn't a, a problem. Um, but, you know, if I had known the situation overall, like, I it would have been cool to, like, try to coordinate with somebody um, for them to go to. Um, but as only having the one VIP ticket, I just kind of thought, all right, I'm just doing this, you know, this is a solo mission. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Like, uh, you know, I just went in not really expecting anything, just hoping that, uh, you know, it was going to be fun. And you were in good company as well, too. I mean, as you said, there were people that were wearing Ahsoka shirts and there were people that were mm-hmm. dressed up carrying Lothcats. Um, what was the makeup of the crowd like? You know, kind of give us an idea of what the age, the ages were, or the age range, um, the the level of fandom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I have a, a pretty good idea already. But <laughs> and just what what types of fans were there that you noticed from just being in line? Yeah, I mean, even even seeing those few fans, you know, um, with their gear on and their, their Star Wars gear on. I still didn't quite know what to expect. Uh, this particular theater, you enter on the ground floor, but you have to go up these two massive escalators um, up to the third floor. And as soon as I, the escalator, like I peek up, you know, as the escalator is going up and I see the crowd of people around, I was like, okay, this is way more intense than I expected. Cause I, again, like I said, I didn't know who was, how many people were going to be able to go. And yeah, there was a, a huge line of people. And then there was like another grouping of people with, like all with, you know, lightsabers and, um, you know, varying degrees of, uh, Star Wars merchandise being worn, uh, all sorts of things, uh, being represented. And I'm just like standing there and (laughs) it was not very well organized. (laughs) I'll be honest. Um, and so I'm just like observing what's going on. I see this really long line and then this other group of people. And I, I'm like, I don't really know what is happening. So I'm just kind of like walking around the lobby and I, I see this big uh, billboard kind of backdrop that has like all the Ahsoka wording on it. Um, and then I see like some people with like, you know, they're setting up a, like a little kiosk with popcorn and, and drinks, et cetera. And, and I see this one woman and, and it seemed like a number of people were kind of checking in with her. And so I just like, you know, kind of walked right up to her and I said, Hey, is this like, is there like a separate, separate section for VIP 
people and she's like oh yeah yeah just hang out just hang out around here and i i go like what's up with all the people in line and they're like oh those are all the people that um are going to get the rest of the seats in the theater and i didn't realize that that was like there was general admission to the to the showing um and well, that was, I, I think that was standby right yeah standby so standby, but I like, it didn't really click because I, I like, you know, I, I just saw that I got the VIP thing and I didn't really read anything else afterwards. Um, so yeah, then I find out, I asked some of the people, I'm like the people that are first in line. Oh, how long have you been, you know, how long have you been here? Oh, we've been here since like four o'clock in the afternoon, making sure that we get in here. I was like, okay. Like, wow. I, you know, there was, yeah. So at this point, you know, it was about mm, seven thirty, and uh, you know, people had already had been there for over three, over three hours, and uh, there was all kinds of like photo shoots going on with all these people, uh, with all their lightsabers, and and I note I started noticing stuff like, man, there's a lot of guy, there's a lot of people here with like five o first, like official shirts and stuff, and like people had, you know, like little props and they had like little droids and stuff with them. And there were some people that were really done up, really dressed up. No, like full costumes, but like, uh, lots of ladies where, you know, had dyed their hair blue and white and had like Ahsoka, um, you know, pig, you know, ponytails and, um, all kinds of like handmade outfits to look like Ahsoka's various outfits. And it was, it was, it was pretty, I mean, there was just a lot of really, um, you know, a lot of thought put into, you know, some, what's a lot of people wore. And, um, yeah, before I, before I left, I, I joked with my wife, I'm like, should I bring my lightsabers and my three thirty second clone trooper helmet? And <laughs> she's like, I love you, honey, but I don't <laughs> think you need to. And like, I show up and like everybody's has all their lightsabers and stuff. Um, well, so but, it, it sounds like they came all prepared. Yeah. As far as what they, what they wore and what they brought. Yeah. Do you feel like that energy that was there within the crowd, did that match that type of fandom or was it more, mm-hmm. a more reserved group? No, it was, it was, uh, there was, you could tell the, the fandom ran deep with, you know, all the, all the people that were there. There was tons of chatter going on in the lines or in the line. Um, so there, there was a buzz. There, were, there was definitely a buzz because there was no other. Um, I mean, there might have been some other people coming up to go to some other showings, but it being a Tuesday night, like it was, it was pretty quiet otherwise in the movie theater. So that I think that helped, um, you know, make that atmosphere. You know, you you could feel it. I'm glad you got to experience that because that's something that we've encountered during the the original trilogy the the prequel films the sequel films you know where each thing becomes an actual event and i know you and i have experienced that even together when we went to see the clone wars panel at star wars celebration and so to have that come 
pretty close to to your hometown, um, and then to be able to be around fans, especially of Ahsoka, you know, um, where the episode had been primed already. I think a lot of people expected there to be some some really big moments within it. Um, but did it did it feel like you were back at celebration watching a panel again? I mean, it kind of did. It, you know, just like a little bit different context, but it 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 had that feel. I mean, you're just you're around a a lot of people. I don't know how many actually were there, but um, it was just like everybody was excited. Everybody was talking about Star Wars. Everybody was you know, oh, what sabers are those? Oh, how did you make that? You know, I love your outfit. Um, that's a great t-shirt, like all that stuff. It was, and these are all strangers. Like I literally knew nobody. And I'm just like standing there, you know, and just like taking it all in. And uh, I mean, I'll, I think there were a lot of people that had groups of friends with them. Um, so that's like, after the fact, I was like, oh man, I, you know, if there was somebody local to me that, you know, was willing to, um, have come a little bit early and, and possibly waited in line, you know, I, I totally would have been down for that. But again, like I said, I, I just didn't know what, what to expect. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I think when you're around, fans and and like fans that are not hiding it they're completely expressing their love for star wars the care these characters you know whatever i think it's it's like infectious you know even though i'm a huge fan like and i wear a ton of star wars t-shirts and stuff like that i'm not like um i mean i i kind of have to give like a lot of these fans huge props for just having that commitment and um you know just putting themselves out there like that what you're describing reminds me of more of a concert setting Mm -hmm. where people are in line they're wearing you know shirts of the band um they're exchanging you know stories from the road and, yep. and, um, you know, talking about the history of, of, you know, the music and everything and getting into like the real deep dive stuff that, you know, we, we fans and nerds love. Um, and then this anticipation, knowing that you're going to see this, you know, crazy performance that mm-hmm. that's coming up. So then what time did they, the, did the theater doors open and, and you were able to go in? Yeah. So, uh, VIP, um, there ended up being 16 people that got the VIP. And so we were in, wait, wait, it was only 16 people that got VIP. Yeah. So what did everyone else get then? Did they just show up or did they get uh, a confirmation that they had potentially the ability to, to see the the performance from what I gathered, they just showed up. So that's the part that I wasn't sure about because I'm like, well, did they buy tickets? Cause like, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. Like, so the, the 16 VIP people, like we got like, um, there wasn't a ton of swag. Uh, we got a free thing, a thing of free popcorn and, uh, and a drink. And we got like some, it's like some snatch snapchat, um, like 
kind of QR um, code. And uh, I don't even know what <laughs> ended up happening with that because nobody around me used Snapchat. Um, right, it's probably a filter or something. Yeah, sure. I, I think so. So, um, yeah, and then we got to get our popcorn, get our drinks, and then we walk into the theater, massive, one of the he- big theaters, the Dolby Atmos, like crazy surround sound theaters, and the 16 VIP um, winners got the, the first row, like on the second level. So we were like, had no obstructions whatsoever. And we had assigned seats. Like we had a sheet printed out with our name on it, on our seat. And, uh, luckily enough, mine was like directly in the center. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was like score. Um, well, it's funny. I think that's what they do essentially for celebrities at mm, yeah, shows like the Grammys and the Emmys where they have their names on the seats. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I felt really, really important. I mean, like <laughs> this whole VIP thing, like I think it needs to continue wherever I go at this point. But uh, anyway. <laughs> has it has it completely gone to your head? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, just good. every I just walk into coffee shops. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I want a ticket to see a soga. <laughs> And they're like, who? Um, anyway, so yeah, so I I find my seat, and you know, everybody once they let the VIP in, they started letting the general admission people come in, and it was like, you know, they're just like rushing to to get to the seats, and um, maybe about it was like a couple minutes before, um, you know. A couple of minutes before eight o'clock, um, they they had everybody sit down because they wanted to see how many extra seats they had, and uh, and then they they ended up filling up the theater. So again, I don't know how that worked, like ticket wise, like if you had to buy a ticket or or what. But um, yeah, I don't so think I'm, so. I think it was a promotional yeah um, viewing by Disney, where you know Disney Lucasfilm cover the cost of it, mm-hmm. and just anybody that wanted to go. And I guess they assume too that it, they they bake it in with the idea that it's essentially free publicity that anyone yeah. who's you know enthusiastic enough to go and willing to to take on these free tickets is going to um, write about it, post about it. Yeah, and, yeah, it was yeah. you know essentially first come first serve, and uh, yeah. So when when I sat down, you know there was you know I started chatting with some of the other members the VIP winners and come to find out every single other VIP winner was either a 501st or a droid builder. And okay, so then is, I, I know what a droid builder is. And I think most people do. What yeah. is a 501st? 501st is a, um, an organization that's, uh, essentially sanctioned by Lucasfilm to be able to be able to do, they go to like um, charity events and um, various promotional events. It's where you dress up in something Star Wars, but it's like screen accurate. So you're dressed up as a stormtrooper or Darth Vader or, you know, an Imperial officer or an X-Wing pilot, you know, whatever it might be, or Ahsoka. Um, so yeah, that's, so the, and 
I started thinking, I'm like, am I supposed to be here? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's everybody and you. I know that's literally everybody else was in one of those same, one of those two groups. And, um, they're basically talking to me like, you know, Oh, in the, um, droid builders forum, like blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it was just, um, so I, you know, then I started thinking, I'm like, did I join something that did I involve myself in something that I wasn't <laughs> technically eligible for? So sorry, anybody out there that, you know, if I, if I did get it wrong. Um, but I know other, I knew, I found out after the fact, like I have other friends that, um, you know, other parts of the country, they ended up going and it wasn't, it wasn't the same case for, for the VIP members, uh, or winners at those locations. But anyway, it was just really cool to, to sit there and, and start speculating and, and chatting with, um, you know, some of these other winners and amazing stories. Like this one, um, woman next to me, she had like, she was in the droid builders and she had a life-size R2. It was all, uh, remote control and, uh, just such an epic project took her eight years to get it done. Um, and then, uh, and she had actually gone to the, um, opener at, in Anaheim for the, the first two episodes. Uh, so she had had a chance to, to do that. And, um, then the other, other girl next to me, she, she ended up being the one with the Lothcat and, uh, she's a droid builder and as well. And, um, was showing me like mouse droids she built. She built like the seeker droid for like the seventh sister and like all, I'm like, geez, I'm crow. Like, I'm like, I have some Ahsoka prototypes that are <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> no, but you know what, Chris, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up both of those stories because, um, this is when we go to these events, the people that we meet are incredibly dynamic and incredibly yeah. creative and incredibly productive. Um, we have, you know, we have friends, you and I, you know, we both do, um, mm -hmm. podcasts and, and, um, we have friends that have written books and, and have done documentaries and, and do all of this stuff around collecting in the world of star Wars. And it's just nice to be able to sit next to strangers. And this is what we do at, at places like Celebration mm -hmm. and other conventions and, and other meetups to sit next to people who are initially strangers, who very quickly become friends and who have these fascinating stories. Oh, yeah. I, w I was just because like, I, I mean, dream world scenario, I'd love to build uh, um, an astromech. I think that would be amazing. But like. You know, they're talking about having all these 3D printers and like all drill presses and like all this stuff and getting all the um, plans on, you know, these different boards, um, forum, you know, form threads. And, you, you know, it was just a completely different area of fandom that I don't really get exposed to, um, you know, and, and one of the other guys, two seats over for me, he was telling me about his his trooper outfit that he's trying to get uh his new outfit that he's trying to get approved uh and and all that stuff and yeah it's just amazing and and again like i was just thinking like there's just so much diversity within fandom and and what people are into 
because like i don't know like the the one woman next to me she you know was a droid builder and had like tons of pins on her her ahsoka backpack and stuff but like she may not collect anything else you know it's like those are the things that she does um and it's you know it's just interesting to hear people's stories and and their enthusiasm like and they were they were rifling off like the most obscure like um references or or like you know, I'm talking to the other girl and I'm saying, Oh, what was that droid's name? And she like, the other girl's like, blah, 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 you know, just rips it out. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I, I thought I was a fan and knew my stuff, but like some people like it's, it's uh crazy. The, the amount of knowledge that they have within, you know, the scope of star Wars. Absolutely. And there's something really exciting about seeing someone else's passion for the thing that you love as well mm-hmm. and seeing it in a, in a completely different way and from a completely different perspective. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, that's not something that you would maybe think about before leaving your house to go to, <laughs> to see an episode of Ahsoka in theaters. Um, when you were in there, you know, once everyone had gotten seated and situated, did the energy change at all in the room? I mean, you could just, I mean, everybody was, you know, sat down, they were chatting and that sort of thing. And, uh, the screen was, it wasn't like a normal viewing initially. Cause it, it was just like, um, it just looked like a, a computer, like a homepage for, for a computer. And you could see the mouse, <laughs> like in the middle of the, um, so it's somebody's PowerPoint project yeah, basically. It, okay. And, or, <laughs> And then one of the other guys is like, oh my God, you should make a white mouse droid that makes like the windows like, or the like AOL dial up or something, you know, something like that. And, um, but so, you know, we're all just like, I didn't really, I honestly thought we were going to be waiting until nine o'clock. Like I I didn't really, I I was like, just because that's when the episode started. And then I look at my wall, I look at my phone, I'm like, are we going to get to see this early? Like I didn't, again, I didn't, re- I just wasn't putting two and two together just because the whole, you know, my mind wasn't working. <laughs> well, it, it really was wasn't it? made clear. I don't think no. it was made clear of when it, everything was actually beginning. No, um, and, and it wasn't. And, and so then pretty much like, um, so then like, yeah, f- five minutes before, um, yeah, it was like seven fifty five. They, um, so bringing it back a little bit, um, before they ended up filling up the theater and stuff like that, they set up a table like in the lower, um, uh, aisle way. And then you see a guy bring a huge stack of Ahsoka promotional posters and puts them down. And then the Lucasfilm representative is like, all right, after the showing, like, um, don't forget to grab uh, a promotional poster on your way out. And so that's about you know, the worst way to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely the worst way. And like, we're right there, but I'm like center, you know, so I've got to go through all, you know, around all the people and we're just like, all right, that's fine. Like, it looks like there's plenty. So then the people that are sitting right in front of the table, just reach back and just grab posters. 
Like and so then, yeah. So then the people around them reach back and grab them. And then people start getting out of their seats and then they start, <laughs> you know, forming, you know, just going up to the table and people are like gra- literally grabbing like stacks of these posters. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Okay. So, I've, I've seen it at celebration. The The best way that they do it is they don't announce the poster until the end yeah. and they have people standing by the door yes. handing out one at a time. And that way they make sure that everybody who's, you know, crossing through the exit gets yeah. one and that there isn't that crazy. I mean, you, you take everyone, you ask everyone to sit down, getting ready for the, sh- the mm-hmm. show to begin. Yeah. And then you make this announcement and yeah. people are collectors, you know, Star Wars fans are crazy collectors by nature. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to go fiend for them. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, before we can, before like the VIPs can react, like the, all the upper um, seats are all like, everybody's left their seats. They're all filling up the side, the stair aisles. And then all the lower section is just like, everybody's piling um, onto the table. And you can just see, you can see people grabbing, you know, I don't know how many, but it looked like, you know, some people were grabbing at least five posters. I wouldn't doubt it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're saying they should have handed out at least one to each one of the VIP members first but whatever they didn't. Um, so then like I can see the pile. It's like, there's almost nothing left. And so finally I can get, I finally get up there and I get one. There was a litter, there was three posters left when I grabbed mine. That was the key piece of swag that we got was the, was the poster. Um, so yeah. Okay. So, so you're seated. Mm-hmm. Um, you find your seat. It has your name on it because you are now an official celebrity. Um, and you wish to be treated as such. And then you, um, you're, you're sitting there and then five minutes before it starts, they say, we have, you know, stacks of posters. Mm-hmm. We know you're all, uh, highly disciplined and <laughs> able to control yourselves until the end of the viewing. Um, and then everyone of course makes a, a mad rush for it. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets back to their seats. Now was there, did someone come up and make an announcement like, like a, a representative from Lucasfilm or Disney? Um, did you, did they show any trailers or anything? Nope. How did you go from sitting there to the show yeah, starting? I mean, it was, it was just like the, you know, home screen on your computer up on the big <laughs> screen. And then, um, right at eight o'clock, the, um, the screen changed and it was just like a still image of, it kind of looked like the elements from, the poster that we got, but, um, stretched out in like widescreen. So we were like, all right, here we go. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that probably was up there for like a minute or so and everybody quieted down and then the lights went off and then we got previously on and it was just like, just like an episode. What was the first point in which people started to lose their minds or react um, audibly. It was, I mean, it was so quiet after we got the, you know, the previously on and then the, the Lucas or, you know, the star Wars intro with the, you know, all the helmets and all that stuff. Then it goes to, um, you know, the widescreen visual of, you know, the landscape of Satos. Um, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, it was utter silence from the crowd. Um, and 
it, I don't know if it like during the previous one, like I didn't really like the sound and the music and stuff. Like it wasn't enough to like really like hit me. Uh, once, you know, it started going through the scenes, those initial scenes of, of going through the landscape and, and, um, it was, uh, I mean, honestly, it wasn't until, you know, you have the little intro with, um, Hera and Jason and Chopper, um, and then they find Hu Yang, you know, looking out over the water, holding Sabine's helmet. Um, everybody was just quiet, taking it all in. And then once that scene ends and then the Ahsoka um, title pops up and then it says, you know, episode five, Shadow Warrior. And then still everybody was quiet as soon as it jumped to World Between Worlds and Ahsoka and Anakin are facing off massive applause. I mean, like everyone in that theater was going crazy. Right, because they're seeing something that they've waited to see for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yes. Yeah. So it was just like, so then everybody like, um, you know, calmed down. And then as soon as Anakin mentioned, you know, called her snips, you know, you had a lot of claps and, and um, excitement on that. Um, so it was just, uh, you know, and, and, I think after that, you know, we'll probably get in, we'll get into it, but like that, that initial like entry into, you know, world between worlds, I, that was like crazy. Like I got shivers like from the reaction, not necessarily from what I was seeing, but like you could feel like the excitement in there. Well, and also because you have a connection and a history mm-hmm. with that part of the story. So so you're excited to begin with, but yeah. then you're also seeing that the people that you are watching this with are experiencing that same excitement as you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. Like it, it's just, it's a different level. It's a different level of experience, honestly. Yeah. And it seems to be something that doesn't happen often enough. And I think that's one of the keys that makes Star Wars so resonant and so powerful is that when these movies come out um, or when we go to a place like Star Wars Celebration, we're encountering all of this as a group. And I think it just it exponentially ups the excitement for it and the, you know, the overall thrill and experience of, of witnessing things with people that care about this stuff as much as we do it's hard. It's hard to come back to your TV and watch the next episode. Not in that situation. Honestly, I never even thought of that. Honestly, you know, after seeing it on the big screen and then trying to continue the story, as you said, back to the way it it was before that. Um, so was there anything from, from the, from the world between world sequence that stuck out to you? or that, that affected you in that moment? I mean, initially, you know, that initial, um, jump to, you know, it's there. Um, definitely. I mean, I was just taking it all in. I was just trying to absorb everything that they were saying to each other. Um, I, I was sitting like on the edge of my seat, literally, you know, hands on my knees, 
Um, and I, I just briefly glance over and it was like almost every other person <laughs> was doing the same thing. Like nobody was like lounging with the seat up, you know, the, the foot rest up. Everybody was just like glued to the screen. Um, and like, again, it's just, I'm like, everybody is absorbing this and taking it all in on all sorts of different levels and trying to process what they're hearing. Um, you know, and then just that idea of, you know, Anakin telling Ahsoka, like, I'm, I'm here to finish your training. And you're like, like, what else does Ahsoka like need to learn? You know? Yeah. I mean, like I watched all the breakdowns of the, you know, previous episodes and like, I kind of, I, you know, knew that he was coming at some point and that sort of thing. So like, there was a lot of speculation, but like, really like, what does this mean for Ahsoka, you know, confronting Anakin in the world between worlds? Like, what is this? I like, I'm thinking about this, like, where is this going to go? Um, and just wait, like, just, anticipating the next you know they they come out of that and then they come back to you know um Hera and uh Carson Tiva Jason and Chopper you know and so it brings you out and I'm just like oh man I want to jump back I want to jump back in there I want to I want to see that but like that next scene with with Hera and Jason like that you know him being a force, being force, um, be able to use a force or being, um, having it within, within him, you know, the ability to, uh, delve in deeper on it. Like, like I, I find that fascinating. Like I, I can't wait to see, you know, where his story goes, but in this particular scene, how he convinced, he says, mom, like I hear something out there. And like, she just, she, she gives in you know, and just lets it come in and listens for those lightsabers that are somewhere out there. Um, I'm telling you when that force theme like comes in over that, that scene, again, another eruption, like just everybody just like hooting and clapping. And like, just again, like, I mean, I'm going to, sound like a broken record, like the, the, the goosebumps, you know, the, the chills, whatever, like happened so many times. <laughs> so, And I think for a lot of people, again, because we're a group that have digested, thoroughly digested rebels. I think when you see Hera and then you see Jason in that situation, it's a callback to what Ezra had. And also it's just, the ghost of Canaan is somewhere there, you know, because you're mm -hmm. looking at, at this child who is a product of Canaan and Hera and has this incredible ability and has it in a way that it, it's, it's more understated. You know, it, yeah. it, I like his, the, the actor, the, the kid who plays Jason, mm -hmm. I like his approach where Agreed. a lot of times what he says, he says quietly because he's not even exactly sure what it is. And it just adds this mystical quality to everything so yeah i can imagine just people losing their minds when the force theme basically puts the icing on on that cake yeah and then shortly thereafter hu yang 
tells Tiva, Carson Tiva, like his father was Kanan Jarrus, you know? And, and like, again, like not as big of a eruption, but like clapping and like, you know, excitement that Kanan was mentioned, you know, in, in, in live action. And then Carson T just being like, okay. You know, and then everybody was laughing, um, at his response. <laughs> yeah, I just, great response. You know, so I just, you know, it, it was great that those, um, beats like hit with the audience, you know? It's funny. I hadn't thought about it until you said it, uh, until you were explaining this part, but I think when, when Hu Yang is talking, when he gives a little of the backstory about who Kanan Jarrus was, mm-hmm. um, I think it's one of the most beneficial moments, at least in the episode, because it, what it's meant to do is to fill in the gaps that people who haven't seen Rebels or aren't familiar yeah. with the characters um, are, are missing. But at the same time, I think a lot of fans take it as an acknowledgement of the mm-hmm. character that we loved and lost. Um, and I, I think that it's just as powerful for people who, where it doesn't feel like, oh, okay, it's more exposition to kind of catch people up. It does that for a certain uh, group of, of the audience, but for the other group who are more familiar with this stuff, it's a true acknowledgement. Um, yeah. It's, it's I, great. Oh yeah. And, and I, I liken it to the, to uh callback to Mandalorian season two, when, Bo-Katan in live action says Ahsoka Tano, you know, and like, I can just imagine if that episode, you know, had been in in a theater, like the reaction would have been similar, you know, like just like, oh my gosh, they acknowledged, you know, and then Ahsoka's acknowledgement of Grand Almarthon, like all this stuff is reinforcing, um, you know, all this time and, and, you know, effort that a lot of fans have put into like these different series and books and comics and all this stuff. And to get like in, um, acknowledgement or, um, you know, reinforce the idea that yes, these characters do or did exist in live action, you know, and, and, uh, we may or may not get you know, them. Um, but I think just giving those, giving fans a hope, that type of hope that they might see them. Um, I think that's like part of what drives, you know, fandom is like just that hope to see the character that they love, um, or connect with. Cause you know, there's just, there's just so many characters within star Wars that people can connect to. It's a reward. It's a reward for mm-hmm. the investment and, and the commitment to to the fandom, you know, and to, to spending the time watching or reading or, you know, devouring the, this content yeah. um, and really connecting to these characters. Yeah. Um, I had wanted to ask you a larger question, and okay. I think this is maybe a good point to do so. Um, as we get back to the world between worlds and we have a series of flashbacks mm-hmm. that Ahsoka is presented um, as her younger self basically when she met Anakin, so she was probably around 14 or so at that point. And we see what appears to be the first battle that she fought with Anakin at Teth. And then it goes to Ryloth and then it goes to the siege of Mandalore where Anakin wasn't there. Um, Between 
all of that and the stuff that we had gotten between Anakin and Ahsoka earlier, when you were watching this, did you get the feeling, first of all, did you understand what was going on at the time? And did you get the feeling that others around you were? And I, I asked that because I had a lot of difficulty watching this episode because I was trying to take in all of these pieces. And even if it's like for these flashbacks, when Ahsoka was speaking to Anakin, I didn't realize that it was the Ahsoka oh, yeah, of present day, the present day Ahsoka in the, the younger Ahsoka's mm-hmm. body, essentially, yeah. because what she was saying was not, did not gel with what we saw in the Clone Wars. Um, did you feel any of that? I, I mean, I can understand like that, um, you know, coming from it, from that angle, I mean, me personally, I, I did understand that this was her, like, in present day being projected to her younger self. So, like, I, I wasn't, um, I kind of, I, I kind of felt that. So it was just, um, I didn't quite kind of get mixed up. I, I felt as though, like, this is Anakin bringing her back and showing her where she came from and um you know letting her kind of bring those those feelings and those experiences back to the forefront um cuz you know for whatever reason you know at this point he's he's trying to get her to get over this hump you know get her to her next you know to finish her training um, so I, I mean, I, I thought it was her like in present day, like just being projected, um, into her younger self. Sure. So, and I, I think some of us, um, will catch certain things. Others will miss it on the first, um, your first go around. But I, I also, you know, I was just thinking of how much information we're getting at one time Mm. that is not your standard flow of a story, right? So you have the world between worlds, you have Anakin back. Is Anakin actually Anakin? Is Mm -hmm. he some evil um, presence? Is he in in Ahsoka's mind? Is Ahsoka dead? There there are so many moments just from from that beginning part. And then when we start getting into the flashbacks, I just thought, (laughs) um, I thought it I didn't know how it would play out in a theater. You know, for me, I'm watching it at home and I'm able to rewind, you know, if, if something doesn't make sense or if I need to watch it again to, to really understand it in a movie theater, you can't. So I didn't know if that was a a different experience for you. I mean, it, it was, it was honestly like I, the vibe I, I mean, I, cause I was so focused on this, you know, the, what was going on screen. I, I didn't really, you know, every once in a while I looked over and, and tried to see what people's reactions were, but, um, it seemed like everybody was on board. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just step it back. Like as soon as people realized that this was clone wars, Ahsoka on screen, the crowd went ballistic. Like, I mean, nuts. Like could not believe what we they were seeing. Um, I couldn't either. So it took me a, like it took me a little bit to process. And then when she started talking and the way she was talking to Anakin, I'm like, all right, this is not, this is not a 
clip from Clone Wars uh, recreation. This is, you know, um, Ahsoka. This is Anakin trying to teach Ahsoka something. Not back then, but in present day. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Just uh, went off went off on a no, tangent there. But, um, but that's a that's that is a really good point. And, and it's nice that you brought that up because um, that's something that, you know, again, because I watched it at home, I, I would have glossed over. But you're right. Like, that's really probably the, the first real time that we get to see the animated Clone Wars version of the Clone yeah, Wars. I know. Taking place on, on the small screen and the big screen. I love that, you know, and then part of me was like, oh man, I'd like to see more Clone Wars, you know, in live action, um, you know, after the fact. But um, yeah, just, I, I think it, it was a lot to take in. All the different elements of the episode, like you said, jumping from present day to world between worlds. Now you're in flashbacks, but they're not really flashbacks. Like, what are they? Um, and then, yeah, I, I was mentioning the, the sound system and stuff and, and you've got that, that scene where they've got to go back into the battle. You know, you you get these big booms of the, the battles coming back to a head and, and then you get Anakin and the troopers running off. And then you've got the, the flash silhouette of Vader and the the sound in there was just insane. Like so, there's there's no way to experience that at home. I there, mean, that, that's just at, another level. There's, there's no way the the sound and then the Vader noise, like the breathing, like just unreal. Like I got total chills. Everybody was like, there was a huge gasp. Um, and you're like, what the heck? And then you know, then it rolls into um uh you know the siege of mandalore and like that was that was something else like again once people realized oh my god like this is like siege of mandalore in like live action we're getting a taste of this big big um reaction applause clap you know all that sort of thing and um you know, seeing a Maldalorian getting taken down, uh, seeing Rex like, and hearing his voice and running into battle. And just, again, just like beat after beat was getting applause after applause. Uh, so, you know, it, you could just feel it. You could feel it. Um, people were just, they were totally hooked. They were totally into it. Um, so I don't know. And then, you know, Anakin comes in like, Hey, I don't recognize, you know, this. And then she explains it. And then, um, for me, like, I don't, I don't know how you felt, but like this, like little, little interaction with Anakin and Ahsoka and how he's talking about legacy and like everything that it, you know, that I am, that's in you. Like I'm teaching it to you. And, and she's questioning like, is that all I am like a warrior? Like, is that what I'm going to teach my Padawan, like how to be and, and stuff? I mean, that starts getting into some deep conversations, you know, in universe. And, and, uh, I mean, that's stuff that I've been, I've been thinking about 
you know, even after seeing the episode and watching it a second time and watching recap um, videos and stuff and trying to grasp my head around that whole, um, you know, interaction between the two. I think the conversations were masterfully done. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that they may have been a little muddled in the message. Um, And that's partly because we're getting so many scene changes and so much happening around that you're trying, you know, if it was, if it was Ahsoka and Anakin in a room talking, um, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a little easier to follow, but because at the same time, we don't know what we're watching. We don't know who this Anakin is, right. And and all this other stuff. Um, So at times I thought the message was a little muddled and, and, but, um, but I I thought it resonated really well, especially on a second, uh, you know, on a rewatch. Agree. But, but so, okay. So those, those, flashbacks worked pretty well for you um after that i mean was was there anything that really stood out to you uh, from that point on i mean i just thought uh that transition from the the flashbacks into back into the world between worlds just that i just thought again similar to the the image earlier uh in the flashbacks with with vader Anakin and Vader's silhouette, that scene of Anakin coming through the the mist and it's like flashing between him. It's just like his stance and his approach towards her and then flashing between Vader and him and like his intensity. I mean, me personally, I thought it was, I mean, just like a cool factor. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Then Ahsoka, you know, she she gets the upper hand and and she she gets him and and I think the line um that she just the way she delivered it, like I choose life. Like that's what I want. That's what like like forget all this warrior stuff, forget, you know, um, my fear of, you know, um, you know, losing, losing you, Anakin, um, stepping away from you, like all that stuff is, is washed over her. And, um, I just, you know, that was really powerful for me, honestly. I agree. And it, it was the way that it was presented and the way that she said it too, mm-hmm. where it just, it didn't feel like she was reading a script. It didn't feel like a line in a film or a series. It it really, it felt like she, to me, this is where I, I've really liked Rosario Dawson's interpretation of the character from mm-hmm. that point to yeah. where she she becomes either Ahsoka, the, the white or whatever yeah. one wants to call her. But there is a, there's a, um, there's a tonal the, shift. Completely. Compl- and, and she and, has a spark in her eye that yes. to me, Ashley Eckstein's version of Ahsoka always had. Yep. Yep. And you know, that is definitely like, that has been one of my hangups from her, um, you know, the character in live action has, has lacked emotion to, to varying degrees. I mean, some scenes, you know, here and there, um, 
you know, it's, 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 um, conveyed, but, you know, very, you know, just dark and straightforward, like just like kind of almost going through the paces and that sort of thing. And that's what, like, from that point on, I felt like, all right, this is a different, this is a different version of Ahsoka. And then, you know, we, we can talk about, um, you know, what happens afterwards, but like, yeah, I just think, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, that character and that interpretation of the character continues, um, with that, you know, that demeanor and that, that, that spark, like you said. So let's jump ahead and, and let's, let's discuss that, that, that ending scene where, um, she essentially, um, communes with a, a Pergil, uh, yep. the, the, the giant space whale. Mm-hmm. We'll call him Larry. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> big guy. but, but what was, so that, you know, for anyone who, who hasn't seen, especially if you haven't seen it in, in a theater, like, um, Ahsoka decides, um, They've lost Sabine. Sabine has mm-hmm. has gone on with Morgan Elsbeth in search of Thrawn, and Ahsoka has no way of of following or knowing really where yeah. um, where Sabine went. So she looks up in the sky at one point and realizes that if she can link up with the Pergil, um, that she might be able to follow because the, these space whales travel through hyperspace lanes. Um, in this really cool moment, she and Huang fly up to the Pergil and they basically are facing the largest one. <laughs> and she puts her hand out and, and um, communicates to the Pergil through the force. But I know similar, watching it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I was going to say similar to how Ezra communicated with the Pergil and subsequently is how why we're in this situation in the series <laughs> that's very true um <laughs> but watching it on a on a smaller screen than the massive theater one that you watched it on it felt massive to me in that moment and it, it did feel really special and and epic what was that like with the oh dolby sound and Dude. just this huge massive screen it was it was mental the just the the um the scope of like being up there in the sky like you felt like you were up there just i thought the visuals were like flawless uh just insane how real everything looked up on the big screen it just looked stunning it sounded amazing like you were just like rooting for Ahsoka to make this connection. And, uh, you knew that she would, I just like, everybody was just like completely in awe of, um, you know, that whole sequence. Um, and I thought like even, you know, Hera talking to Jason about like, it's just like the stories and and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, we live those stories in rebels. Like that's, you know, you know, that that's making the connection and, and everything. And I just thought I really, I really like that sequence and I, like just watching it again, you know, today, like 
I felt the same way, you know, I, I still got the f- same feeling, like not the external, you know, feelings of being in the moment, but like feeling that, you know, just, it was just, I just thought it was a great, great scene. Was there any audience reaction in that final sequence? Um, I mean, there, there was, um, I mean, really, there was, you could hear, you know, some things here and there. Um, I mean, the biggest, I think everybody was just trying to absorb everything that was coming in. And then uh, things were pretty quiet up until the, uh, the end of the episode and, you know, the credits rolled and it was just like, again, everybody was clapping and hooting and excited and, and everything like that. And, and, a lot of people were just sitting there just like in shock, you know, like trying to process everything. And, um, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was something at the end. I, you know, I was chatting with some of the other people initially and and they're like, I just, I just need a minute <laughs> to like <laughs> figure out what I just saw and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it felt like a season's worth of content distilled into a 50 minute episode. Um, so <laughs> you're not it, wrong. <laughs> the way that it sounds with, with your, um, your experience with it and with the rest of the audience's experience with it was that it was a very positive one. And that a, a lot of it really landed and connected. Were there any moments for you personally that maybe didn't land either in that first viewing or overall? It's stuff. I I wouldn't say like on initial viewing in the, in the way that I did, I, there was nothing like that was an issue for me, um, per se, uh, you know, watching it back. I don't know. There definitely some, some small things here and there. Um, but it, you know, for me, like things are, things worked in this episode, do you also feel like you, maybe you have even a fuller appreciation of the episode um, or just a, a different appreciation than most of us would have because mm-hmm. you saw it in a theater with other fans? Because I, I I think then it becomes even more than just an episode, but a moment. 100%. 100%. Because anytime I rewatch it, I'm you know, reliving those experiences. And, um, I, I just, this episode was definitely meant to be seen in a big theater. And I really wish that it was more widely available in theater. Um, kind of makes me think that, uh, like, it would be cool if like every episode <laughs> was available, you know, in, in theater, uh, for one night, because I think getting all those, the reactions and stuff like that. And, you know, this episode happened to have more, more positives than negatives. So, I mean, it had that going for it. I mean, if we watch one of like a previous episode that maybe doesn't have as many highs again, different story, but, um, I, I just, it made this episode so much more, so much more than seeing it, you know, at home 
so much more than, you know, maybe what it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating, you know, or, or I'm letting those feelings skew my opinion on it. But, um, that's just how I feel. But it's a different experience for you. So even if it was skewing, it's not wrong or it's not, you know, because you had this, you had this moment that was bigger than even just what was on screen. I mean, you had the, the, you know, incredible size of the screen, the quality of the sound, but then again, watching it in a different location, um, that is made specifically for optimum viewing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're also watching it with a crowd that is reacting in real time that is amping up. So that that's part of it. it you know, again, this is that's why I'd wanted to really talk to you about this, too, because yeah. this is a much different experience than most or really any of us um, have had a chance to to witness, especially with something like the Ahsoka series. Um, if they were to, to do this again or to do this with a, a different Star Wars related series, would this be something that would interest you where you'd go back and, and watch it live in person with fans again? Yeah, I think I would, ha- I would, um, definitely be open to that, that opportunity. Um, you know, it's just, uh, again, it's gotta be, it's gotta be worth it for you. You know, you gotta be willing. Cause if these events, if you don't have a guaranteed ticket, you gotta be willing to put in the time and an effort and, I think, you know, to anybody out there listening, you know, if, if another opportunity like this comes up and you're, you're like, oh man, I, you know, I, I really want to get involved or, or experience it like that. I mean, I, I would say if you can make it happen, try to make it happen. Um, so yeah, I think it would be pretty cool if, you know, more of these, uh, streaming shows, had, you know, episodes, maybe not every episode that might be asking too much, but, but just a theatrical presence. Yeah. Yeah. Either for the opener or for the finale, you know, or if Lucasfilm deems a particular episode, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, might have some more gravitas to it. Um, like this one, this one did, uh, I think, I think they should. I think they should entertain that. After this event happened um, throughout the week, I was I was thinking more about it. And one of the things I thought of was I wish they had done this for the season finale of the second season of Mandalorian, where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the entire oh season gosh. not only wraps up, but we see Luke Skywalker, you know, the Return of the Jedi era, yep. Luke Skywalker again. I, I, I can't imagine watching that in a theater with a whole group of people um, who are already excited by a show and would lose their minds at the return of Luke. Yeah. I'm telling you that would have been absolutely bananas. (laughs) Like just people would have been losing their minds, you know, like falling, fainting into the aisles, like, (laughs) like, you know, all sorts of stuff. I think, um, I think that would have been, would have been pretty awesome, you know, and, and maybe this is Lucasfilm, uh, understand, you know, maybe they learned that, you know, that's why they did something like this, that, uh, some of these episodes are, are maybe more tentpole episodes, um, you know, compared to some other ones. Uh, but 
yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely worth it, uh, in the end. And hopefully, hopefully there's more opportunities down the road. And if they had to choose one, Chris, I really believe that they picked the right one. And I'm so glad that you got to experience it. You know, it's, um, we always root for our friends, but it's just, it's nice that you had that opportunity because you truly appreciate it. You love the character. You love the the fandom and lo- and you love connecting with people mm-hmm. around Star Wars. Um, and to, to get what you got, which was the first appearance of Rex, the return of <laughs> Anakin, um, our friend Larry, the space whale, um, <laughs> seeing Ahsoka the white, which was, you know, an interesting yeah. take on her that I think fans had really wanted to see, but mm-hmm. also seeing that, that, kind of weight lifted off the character and in a beautiful way it really played more like a movie than an episode it really did it really did it it had it certainly had that cinematic feel and uh it fit fit right in on the big screen i mean everything everything was just so like the visuals were just so crisp the sound was intense you know elements of the story um, you know, had you, you know, on the edge of your seat, uh, seeing what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. I'm really glad it was for you. I think that's, that's awesome. It's always great to hear. Um, I know I look forward to the next time that we can (laughs) be in the same room and, and experience something like that, whether it's at celebration or maybe one of these, you know, group events or these group screenings that they have, um, So I really want to thank you today so much because I had, you know, as I mentioned to you, even before we we spoke, I I had so many questions for you. I really wanted to understand what your experience was like. And I think you painted a beautiful picture. Um, And it was nice to hear that it was such a positive and, you know, really amazing experience for you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you, uh, you know, brought me on and, and, um, you know, I hadn't really gotten a chance to to talk about it much with anybody. So I'm, I'm uh, happy to share. So if people want to see your collection, Chris, or see some of the items that you're interested in and, and hear more about your takes on star Wars and collecting, um, where can they, where can they see you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, social media. Um, my collecting account on Instagram is, at Letty's Collectibles, uh, share a lot of my Ahsoka collection amongst other things. And, uh, then I also have a YouTube channel and associated audio podcast, um, six scale scavengers. And, uh, we talk about one six scale collecting like hot toys, sideshow, etc. Um, we also talk about other things too. Lots of Ahsoka mentioned on, um, on those episodes, uh, so check that out. And then I also do a podcast called collecting tracks with Richard Hutchinson, um, of the vintage rebellion fame. Um, and that's on the Fanta tracks podcast network. Um, I think we're recording an episode coming up this weekend. We're going to be talking about Ahsoka collectibles. And you and Rich do a really nice job. <laughs> and, and even more importantly, you guys have such a wonderful rapport um, you you work so well, and, and that that chemistry um, is very hard to find. Um, you know, our friends uh, Glenn and Jason um, mm-hmm. have found it at Smuggler's Galaxy, and I, I think you guys really have found it as well too. And um, it's always nice to see you know 
two really good friends get together and to be able to, you know, to, to discuss Star Wars and collecting in that sense. So yeah, it definitely worth it. I'm glad that you guys started the podcast and it sounds like it's, you know, really taken off, which is great. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Well, excellent. Okay. Uh, I know at some point uh, in the in the very near future, we are going to have an, uh, an Ahsoka-holics roundtable. I think we're going to discuss the ins and outs of the Ahsoka series uh, at some point in the very near future. So um, I look forward to doing that with you. I think that'll be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> I really do look forward to that as well. Hearing everybody's <laughs> point of view should be fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the two remaining episodes. We just watched episode six last night. And um, so we have seven and eight and uh, and things are getting pretty interesting at this point. They certainly are. <laughs> All right, Chris, enjoy the rest of your day and we will talk soon. You too, man. Thank you.